You're listening to Charge Podcast, episode 38, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How are you today, man? Hi, Biscuits. I had the, hey, tech, Biscuits. the Charge Tech meetup last Friday, and it was pretty good. Oh my god. Did people show up? Yeah. <laughs> we had four of us total. How was it? Were they cool? It was pretty good. It, they were cool. My favorite thing was there was one guy who did not listen to the podcast, but just read your newsletter. Oh, really? Awesome. I love that. Yeah, we were talking for a while, and then he's like, so, like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, I do the podcast with Owen, and he was like, uh, oh. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Anyway. That is funny. I love it. It's like a hilarious misunderstanding. Beautiful weather here, too. What's what's going on over there? Not much. Just chilling. I, uh, I've been hiring people this week. I just hired two developers. It's very exciting. Damn, we just uh, closed our funding. Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah. We were going to not do funding, and we were just because we don't really need to. But then um, I decided to try and prove a different model for the company. So, like, instead of um, focusing on selling the software to cities, focusing on basically, like, broker, like, the relationship between the city and tech companies in terms of, like, payments and data uh, purchase and, like, stuff like that because i think there's way more money to be had in like incremental revenue per api call in cities and there is for like a flat rate fee so i was like well if i'm gonna not charge cities but i'm gonna hire some people and i'm gonna try and prove this other thing i'm gonna need a year of money so i went out and it was actually a little easier than i expected we got um font Alice, who are amazing okay um that's ford's vc firm and then um Story VC, which is a New York event-based VC firm. Samsung, which is like kind of interesting and weird, but kind of cool. Samsung, and, wow, uh, yeah, and some few other folks. But Sam- Samsung were actually the coolest. Like, I'm relative. I was really impressed with them and like the way they think about things and how they're doing their like investment, what their investment thesis and philosophy is and stuff. So I was like, all right, well. And they're like, we don't need you to, like, even generate money in the next five years. We just, like, believe this is going to be a space. So we're, we're just like, all right, you know, we're just, we want Intel in it. We want to know what's going on. We want to keep our ears to the ground. So I was like, all right, well, if you want to give mm-hmm. us some money, then I'll, uh, that basically you're pre-buying that information. So fine. Wow. Amazing. How does it feel, man? Stressful. So you actually have money. That's why it's stressful. Yeah. Well, and also you're beholden to people and like you have to hire people and like, I don't know. I like hate taking on funding in the startup. Like I'm just like, uh, right. if you're b- taking on money, you're probably doing something wrong. Right. Right. But I think not always. I mean, the scale that you're going for, probably not. No, not right? always. So- not always for sure. But like most of the time, like it's crazy to me how many founders raise money with absolutely no idea how they're going to deploy the capital. Right. Like it's insane. They just like, they're like, oh yeah, it's obvious the market's going to be big. So we like went to a VC firm and they were like, okay, we'll give you like uh, $3 million. How's that sound? And they're like, oh, okay. And like, what are you going to spend the $3 million on? And they're like, mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. I think that's the difference between you and them. Worth of your company, you have a plan. Anyway, did you notice that um, one day last week, I can't remember which day it was, half the internet wasn't loading properly? Oh my God. I literally, I was trying to internet and I, I had to log off. Like Slack wouldn't load images and Twitter wouldn't upload images. What what actually happened? So 
there's so the apocalypse yeah well everyone knows <laughs> aws um and aws so everybody yeah, amazon web services i think we've talked about it a zillion times it's my favorite company in the whole entire world um and they have a service called s3 simple storage service three s's simple storage service s3 Mm-hmm. And the simple storage service is really sick. You basically just like can store things there and then retrieve them. Right. Uh, and they're like globally distributed and it's really, really fast. And so a lot of people use it as like a poor person CDN or whatever. Mm. Um, and a <laughs> poor uh, man CDN. And, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. And like, so you just like put all your assets there or whatever. And, and, um, and then they surf them. So, like, if you go on BuzzFeed and, like, it's it's loading the, the JPEGs, um, you know, the JPEGs are probably being stored in S3, and then you pre-process them and render them, um, and then you put them in the browser. So, like, blah, 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 blah. So, S3 is incredibly heavily um, utilized within the It's everybody. Cloud like, everyone uses S3. It's probably Amazon's most... I bet it's one of their most ser- used services outside of EC2, which is their um, uh, virtual mm. virtual private server uh, product. Um, so yeah. <laughs> on the morning of February 28th, um, the whole thing went basically went down. Um, you couldn't... Oh, man. And the best part was you couldn't even see what the status of your stuff was yeah. because the tick wouldn't load, if that makes sense. Like, you literally couldn't see... Because their dashboard, the red t- like the red cross that says an outage, was hosted on S3. <laughs> it's like, it couldn't get more ironic, right? Well, it's just funny. Like, who puts their status page on there? Anyway, like, it's pretty funny. And so, the, in- the most interesting thing to me... So, just quickly what happened was, I guess it was like a fat fingers thing. Um, right. They, like have a they have a service so like basically when you're running a cloud your um infrastructure is immutable and you just generally presume it goes away at any time and so you have like huge amounts of fault tolerance that you build in um and that's insane amounts yeah and that's especially true if you're doing a storage product because you like want to be able to account for like capacity going down and stuff like that and still being able to store things and serve them and stuff like that Right. Uh, so, you know, you, like, the way it would work in, in DigitalOcean is, like, if we were getting low uh, in a region on capacity for VMs, we would propagate more servers, physical servers, into right, rotation, right. Um, and, and they would run. And then if the region ha- didn't need all that capacity, we, we could spin down servers, and then they wouldn't be running, and then you'd be saving on power bill and network and stuff like that. So you just have like all this capacity sitting around and then you just have scripts that kind of figure out how to use it and stuff like that. So on S3, I would ima- they so basically they have like huge amounts of um, just like disk storage just to store all this stuff. Just really dumb disk storage. Yeah, just straight up. Just like imagine buying containers basically and it's like you have a bunch of Tupperware containers in your backyard that you might do something with one day. Just, just, <laughs> just, just space. And um, so they have like some internal. Sounds like they have really nice internal tooling based on their like. Mm-hmm, um, it's fully automated. Yeah, everything like super, is automated. super like cool. It has to be. 
So they actually didn't. So this engineer was like working on one of the subsystems. The subsystem, I think, if I recall correctly, was responsible for managing um, where everything was stored in that region. So like you have yep. objects and you, they're like stored in in a location like this drive, this rack, this data, like whatever, wherever it is, right? The pointing to this place, the map. Mm. That that's like uh, you you think you like query that thing first, and then it's like oh here's where this object is, or you know however they have it done. So actually, the engineer removed compute power from that subservice, which crashed yeah. that subservice. And then that subservice crashing crashed another subservice, and and then that's why S3 went down. My favorite part from the report, I love it, this is, is that me too. Uh, this is the best. So they say, they basically say like we build our systems with the assumption that our things will co- uh, occasionally fail, and we rely on the ability to remove and replace capacity as part of our core operational processes. That makes sense, right? Like yep. Amazon's probably subbing in and out actual physical metal constantly. All the but time. But the next sentence is like the best. I love this. <laughs> it's like it's like. Yeah, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about it. While this is an operation that we have relied on to maintain our system since the launch of S3, we have not completely restarted the index subsystem or the placement subsystem in our larger region for many years. Because S3 experienced massive growth over the last few years, the process of restarting these services and running the necessary safety checks took a long time. So Amazon was so successful at being up that it went down. (laughs) It's like, like it couldn't get any better. Like it's actually Amazon was a victim of its own success. It hadn't test for tested for the situation where everything had been up for so long that it takes forever to come back. And I just, I just love how beautiful that is. It's just kind of a funny thing because you think about it, right? You like buy your computer on day one and it boots in like one second, right? And then you like yeah. never reboot your computer for like six years and you down and you like fill the hard drive and then you reboot your computer and you're like, oh, computer, my computer is running real slow. And it's like, yeah, it's because you filled it with a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, like this is actually how stuff works. It's like, I, so. Right. You know, it's actually, computed. they should probably go back through and think about all their systems and be like, hmm, which ones have grown since we made them that we haven't had to restart? Now, how long is it going to take to restart them based on how much? Right. It, like, because, like, sure, it maybe took you five minutes to boot it on day one because you had <laughs> nothing in your indexes. So you weren't like having to look anywhere. But then you're like, oh, now we have to do a consistency check on all these indexes to make sure all those files are where they say they are three and a half hours later. Yeah, exactly. They literally it's it's just kind of amazing to me. That's a, that's the out of the whole thing, I think. Like it's a it's a pretty newbie thing all around, but like that's just funny. Yeah. It's it's newbie, but it's like the most it's amazing. it's actually amazing. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. So, you know what the lesson that you should be learned here is? What? Why if if you if you like Man, some funny things went down like Circle CI and stuff. Like if you're yeah. if you're Why are you on one region? Yeah. There we go. What are you doing? Preach, brother. Why? Preach. <laughs> like, be it's on S- West and East Coast. <laughs> yeah, and it's S3 too. It's not even that expensive. I know. It's like cents on the dollar. And actually, one thing I tweeted that a lot of people piled in on is like, if your core services are on one cloud company, you might be making a mistake too. Like, you should at least have a playbook for like, Amazon is dead. 
we need to spin up on Google Cloud in 20 minutes or something. Like you should have a, a way to do that. You should not be so cloud specific that you cannot get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. That's what scared me about it is like Reddit was literally on its knees for like five hours. They had no other way to spin up their core services. I don't care if your images don't load. Just show me a website that you're broken. But it just like it, it was at the point where Slack wouldn't even tell you that images were broken. It was it was really bizarre. I don't know. I learned how much internet is on S3 last week. Oh, it's like a lot. I mean, they have a they are they're running a lot of the they're running a lot of stuff. Like people are really building like internet on this like new internet. Like right. they are, they really sort of are kind of sort of the new internet. It's interesting. Someone asked in um in uh the questions channel on Slack um oh it was george he was like not really a question um but any thoughts on the current state of inf- uh, internet infrastructure namely st- stability and security um there was a massive ddos last fall it took down um servers in the east right. coast of the u.s and now there's the S- uh, s3 typo like what's going on and i said um the way that the interconnection of computers at scale was put together makes it such that the internet is incredibly stable, but not particularly resilient. Right. And it also errs on the side of predictability and well-intentioned usage. So if you take that idea and then you just extrapolate internet usage 1985 to like 2017... Yeah, we have a really stable internet, but it's not very, like, resilient, right? Yeah. And so you can kind of think, I guess, of that as, like, imagine it started as a Honda Civic, and then it had to, like, convert into being a bus, and that was fine, but, like, you know, in all none of the joints got, like, reinforced, like, right, or, right. you know, all the all the glass was re-impla- replaced with, like, bulletproof ga- glass, but it was put back in with the tape that, like attached the last glass to the window so like yeah but you also fired all the glaziers at the same time so nobody remembers how it was set up anymore (laughs) yeah that's also true that's the thing is i think infrastructure is a dying art and it's you know i I think it rightfully so but also when you hand everything off to amazon and you hand it all off to google cloud compute you lose a lot of expertise internally right like if something goes wrong in these scenarios you literally can't do anything as an engineer at those companies you you're reliant on them and so you you lose a lot of control over your own destiny in exchange for five nines or whatever but not whatever not whatever amazon is probably like four nines now (laughs) but yeah well i you know i think redundancy is just something that that uh you know you inherently need to like think about and it's always been case and one of the things that i i don't really super understand this mentality i mean i'm sure that there's a reason for it but there is this mentality of like premature optimization and stuff like that and i like just don't buy into not thinking about a um distributed um resilient multi-tenanted multi-cloud multi-service um failed over idea of an application if you're doing mission critical stuff like fine if your app is like you're still vc funded you have no customers no one's actually paying you any real money or whatever fine but like imager well i guess imager is a perfect example of that probably so (laughs) 
Slack, for example, Slack should not, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, right? that was like, embarrassing. <laughs> it should have been a little embarrassing for anyone. But I, Slack also I got hacked this week, by the way. And- I didn't plan to talk about that and I didn't read much about it, but did you see they got hacked? No. It's bad. Anyway, don't be on Amazon. No, wait, do be wait, on whoa, Amazon. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say Slack got hacked? Yeah. Do you want to know what happened? Do you know? I'm Googling it. <laughs> oh. Maybe we should talk about no, it next fine. week when we actually know what we're talking about. I guess that's probably true. But I just it's, it's still kind of emerging. Hacked. It was some kind of fault in the VPC. We'll, co- we'll, we'll come back to that when we actually know what we're talking about next week. So did the Nintendo Switch come out or did some guy just get... It, it is out. Him? It is going crazy. And I like... I honestly don't have super much of an opinion because the Nintendo Switch is a super interesting console to me. Like the idea of being able to play on your hand and then like dock it and play on your TV is super cool. But also I think consoles are dying. And I put this in here because I think it's like really interesting because Nintendo has delivered something that's awesome. But I also think Nintendo's delivered the last real console. Why? Like why buy a console anymore? Because it's awesome. Yeah, but it's awesome. But like, yeah, but why can't we do that on phones? Why do you need another device in your backpack just to play Nintendo games? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of where, where my head is at right now. Like, when I see the Nintendo Switch, I'm like, it's so cool that you can have so much power and play real console games on the go. And then I think, why didn't Apple just do this with the iPad? You know, it, it seems so... It seems like Apple could even release a perfect gaming iPad, but... Core competency, homie. Yeah, Core exactly. And Ninten- so now you have to carry an iPad, a laptop, and a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> no, I actually, I think so it's I awesome. Lo- the Switch looks good. <laughs> it looks I really like, good. I was like, and I don't like video games. I haven't video gamed in like 150 million years right. or whatever. Like, I really am not into video games at all. I have so much FOMO. But the Switch thing looks pretty good. I have so much, so much FOMO. Just because it, it looks, I love the idea of games that you can play with other people. And like... Are you get are you gonna get one? I'm I'm utterly convinced that I'm not. How about you? <laughs> I'm considering it maybe. I just like I'm too busy, I feel like, but Right, that's my concern too. I don't have the mind space to think about another thing. But also I'd love to be able to play this when I'm sitting on a train. <laughs> so Okay, the three steps to clouding properly. I've just I've been thinking about it while we were talking about it. Alright. Well Nintendo, Nintendo is like, not clouding properly, by the way. To add no. your friends, you need a friend code. Anyway. Over to you. (laughs) Three steps to clouding properly. Remember? Ready? Okay. Step number one, redundancy. R. Step number two, distribution. D. Step number three. Okay. I don't know how to say this properly, but like, basically you have to like reduce the surface area of your apps by going straight to the business logic or service or whatever, wherever it's possible. What's the word though? I don't know. Let's reduce surface area. Oh, okay. Of app R. That makes sense. Reduce, reduce the the risk RDR. of RDR. Right, right. So it's like reducing the amount of services that could be exposed to an outage. You want to like no go go f- wherever possible. Go straight from the business logic to a service. Try and like use no servers. Like don't try and use. So you're saying like, AWS Lambda. <laughs> well, or equivalent or whatever. Like you may like they're like. Mm, I even think like okay i don't know but like i, I just think yeah lambda but you just want to you want to like business logic to to 
end goal as quickly as possible, right? Like as little, and, and don't forget engineers, like they love to create microservices and queues for redundancy. And you're like, yeah, but you could just go straight from the front end to a database. You don't actually need all this like stuff. If you just re- reduce the surface area of the app, like just don't, don't make, think of apps as small as possible of the business logic from the front end, just straight down into whatever has to happen and then rely on services and abstractions as much as possible and then build and then refer to rule one and two redundancy and distribution. Right. And then I think if you think about it that way, it's probably okay. Anyway. (laughs) No, I think, I think that's often overlooked and like developers like the magic of the cloud. It's so good and everything works and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. It's, it's terrible. Everybody forgets the infrastructure. Yeah. It's, it's like, I was trying to explain this to someone who like, she, she's like a younger um, software engineer. And she was like, what did it used to be like before AWS? And I was like, I don't know, we'd like drive down to the colo and put our server into the wall. And if we wanted redundancy, we would put two power cables in it and two power boxes in it. And to like, you literally just made two of everything, right? And that's how you did it. Exactly. What is the Google featured snippet oh my God. situation? So fake news. Do you know what fake news is? I should probably just say. Fake news is that thing you see on Facebook where it's like, is the queen a lizard? Or was Barack Obama part of the KKK? Like, it's all all those, like, news stories that come from something like the Detroit Observer or the Boston Globe. Like, newspapers that look official but aren't things, right? Okay, those those are real newspapers. Oh, shit. Can I just quickly tell you my favorite (laughs) fake news story I saw? yes. Hillary Clinton's, like, this was, like, during the election. It was, like, I saw something, like, so the fake news was Hillary Clinton's tour bus stops in, um, like, playground parking lot to dump um, toilet sewage into drain. Oh, I want it to be real. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Why did they write that? But it's all this absurd, like, stuff. For the Republicans to click on, like, well, all that stuff came out of this idea that, like... Yeah, like, who was, like, some people in Bulgaria or something, wasn't it? They were just making, like, tons of money by making fake news stories that people would actually click on. And then they are, in their heads, they're like, ha, 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 silly Americans, oh, well, they'll never fall for it anyway, and we're making a bunch of money. And then in reality, what happens is, you know, uh, Grandpa Bob goes down to, like, the local bingo hall and goes, did you read that Hillary Clinton's dumping sewage into the, the playgrounds? <laughs> we can't vote for that effing B. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, (laughs) no okay so there's fake news and that one's amazing but the thing that kind of people forgot is that google was also responsible for this and you know there's like rich snippets you see so if you google something like i'm trying to think of a good example uh, like a a random fact like what color is the sky there'll be like some snippet at the top there'll be like the the sky is blue and here are some facts about why it is blue you know like it's exposed and some stuff's coming off core and some stuff coming yeah sure well now these fake news sites have figured out how to game that so and this has been happening for a while but if you google stuff like is obama planning a coup google immediately presents it in that same kind of context that looks real saying not only could obama be planning a coup with the communist chinese but he may in fact be planning a communist coup d'etat at the end of his term in 2016 and you're like huh and then it gets worse and worse like Search Engine Land did a bunch of tests, and it's basically really easy to fool this algorithm. Uh, One is a funny one that uh, somebody tricked Google into saying the wrong date for when is Easter with the rich snippets. Uh, And the worst part is, so 
you know, like Amazon Alexa and Google Home are like becoming a thing. And when you ask those devices, you know, for a fact, for example, like the worst one that happened was in late 2016 when, do you remember that one that was like, are woman evil? Somebody had like, I don't know, done some weird SEO thing. And if you ask it, it would actually say like, yes, women are evil because X and Y, because Google Home is actually tapping into the very top result that Google exposes. So not only does it expose it like it's the truth, it also exposes it in the context that Google is saying it, you know? And so now it's like this whole thing about Google is being responsible and all that kind of thing. And it's, it has massive implications because I don't know if Google realized what it was doing. You know, there's, there's algorithms and all this shit driving this, but there's no human oversight. And it's kind of what we talked about last week with the perspective API, right? Is like, if you get to this point where you have this thing that has to be driven by a robot, you've kind of probably fucked it up. I think it's the same. Mm -hmm. You can't just let the whole internet decide what the right answer is because somebody's going to mess with it. You remember Taybot? That, yeah. that bot that Microsoft put on Twitter and then it turned Nazi in like three hours. Like, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. So that's the whole drama. I, I know people at Google and I know that they're having a hard time there right now because they're like, Google Google's whole thing for the last, what, is it 20 years? I don't know, almost 20 years has been they don't interfere with the index. They only do the ranking algorithm and the rest is left up to how people interact and the kind of content that surface. But now Google's in a kind of spot where it kind of has to curate the algorithm and where, like, how does that work? And can it stay out of that? Like the company wants to stay out of that, but is that possible? I don't think so anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it is interesting because, I mean, I'm not going to, so I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but there is a thing on the internet that you can search that comes up with some fake information that I may have done like oh my five God. years ago when I was a little shithead. Like it's still there. It is, and it's not even that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, yeah. You don't have to say what it is. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's just because it's like, it's like I can just imagine some like high school kid writing an essay about this thing and just looking at the right hand little like so it wasn't so bad when it was only showing up on Wikipedia but now that when you search it and it shows up on Google too I'm like oh god that's amazing anyway, <laughs> it's not so it, don't worry don't worry it's not something so so great like something about somebody being nothing. a fascist isn't it no it's like I mean okay I'll <laughs> I literally... You don't have to admit it, John. You can just say it in the privacy of the Slack. Yeah, but it's... Okay, I'll say it it in the Slack. Because it's nothing, like, super bad. And, like, no one would be that. But everyone would be like, John, come on. But I did it, like, five years ago. So, but, like, I am saying... I guess what I'm really saying is I have firsthand experience that that is a real thing that happens. Like, if you search for this... If you search, like... It's basically, like, who founded this thing. A very different person comes up. Oh, that's amazing. Expect. Oh, now I want to figure it out. In fact, if you just, in fact, if you just say who founded this thing, or like if you just type in this thing, it says that this other thing, this other person founded it that didn't. So it's like, and it's a, it's like a it's a country too, which is even more hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but yes. So uh, <clears throat> uh, Uber is up to its old tricks, huh? Yeah, every week is something new. What the hell? What's going on, man? Okay, first of all, tell me what happened, wow. because I know, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, so basically Uber, like, so I can actually 100% how this, see how this happened too, because we had a similar thing at DigitalOcean for fraud detection and stuff like that. You basically, like, have an algorithm that runs that, like, compares a whole bunch of things, and then you're like, oh, this is probably a bot. Like, don't, 
don't let it do anything else or right, don't let right. it make an account or whatever, right? So like, you know, you'd put in a credit card number and then we'd be like, oh, this is like a prepaid credit card or okay, the credit card right. doesn't match the name or like, or like it's associated with a business, but this is a personal account or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you can get back from like credit card, like details, you can get a bunch of stuff. Like, is this a government credit card? Is this a corporate credit card? Is this a personal credit card type credit card? Name of the credit card, blah, blah, blah. So Uber had a system like this that they first created to reduce um, stolen credit cards and crappy behavior on the on the Uber platform, which right. makes sense. It's a good thing to, to build. Then they started using it to basically say, if this is a inspector in a mm-hmm. city that we're not allowed to operate in, um, don't uh, as soon as they load the app, make it look like there's no Ubers there. <laughs> That's amazing. How do they figure that out, though? Like, how do they know? Location, right? Just like a bunch of... Yeah, well, like a bunch of things. Like, I'm sure that they like n- gra- knew the name of the person worked for the city, and like this credit card was a city credit card, or like I don't know, I don't know exactly how they would do it. But they even have a video in the thing of um, I think it's like the New York Times, or or maybe it was the Seattle like Post, or like someone like that, right? Um, out with an inspection inspector trying to catch them, and he'll like load up the app and then i'm curious to know what actually happens on the driver's side right um it'll like request it'll go through and then they'll cancel immediately right so it just kind of looks shady well i guess on the driver's side that didn't exist like there was no driver in the first place that's no i bet there was but i wonder if they alerted the driver to the fact that it was probably someone doing a sting operation it's the popo (laughs) it's the it's the pigs they they come and turn it off shut off the credit cards yeah so that's it's pretty, it's pretty shady in the in the kind of same vein as um, Xenophits. It's the same thing, right? Like, yeah, man. I I've said this on the pot. Yeah, I've said this on the podcast a zillion times. Like, yes, there are air quote growth hacks and like shortcuts that you can take in business to like do things faster. Most of them around. Most of them are simply around how you deploy capital and like, and then like having your business model make sense over time. Yeah. But when your hacks are built into your business model, your business model fundamentally doesn't work. No, because so when, like, when the police you're just, come, you're boned. It's so silly. And then the other crazy thing was Travis in the back of the video. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago of Travis in the back of the car with those girls. And then he apologized saying he needed to be a grown up. He's 45. He needs to be an, a human, not an old. Oh, it's anyway. terrible. I've, I was going to say I feel bad for them, but I don't because they're inherently terrible people. Did you delete your account? <sighs> yeah, I did. Amazing. I oh, and, and uh, I, all the Lyft drivers in town, I ask them every time I get a Lyft, I'm like, Have your, has your usage gone up? And they're like, like you wouldn't even believe. It's like it's like really? a day for them. Yep. That explains, did you see that Susan Fowler, the original, you know, you remember that whole blog post about how mm-hmm. it was targeted harassment mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. She tweeted this week that Uber is naming her and shaming her for people deleting their accounts and that they are lawyering, lawyering up against her. That's insane. No, it's true. I think I well, they they have they have refused to delete my account. Still, it's been what two and a half weeks that I've requested for account deletion, and their email they've sent me a form letter saying that my account is linked to a driver account, and so they can't delete the account until I drink delete huh? the driver account do you even have a car i don't have a driver account i don't have a car i've never made one like it's definitely not Insane. a thing right so i don't and and like they're holding a hostage because they're like yeah we'll delete your account when we delete your driver account and i'm like wow so i emailed them and i'm like 
why do you think I have a driver's account? When was it created? Who created it? Like, what's, yeah, like, what's going on? And I haven't heard back from them. Wow. That's completely disturbing, actually. So, like, don't just delete the app. Delete the account. Like, go Yeah, no, if you leave the account there, it's worse, actually. Yeah, because then their user numbers don't look good, and then their VCs will, like, have pressure on the board to hopefully fire the CEO and put someone new in. Exactly, exactly. Good times. Well, Snapchat IPO'd. Sure. How could you miss it, right? And how do you feel about it? Uh, seems fine. I mean, the one thing I've learned about tech IPOs is that if you want to <laughs> just like make some amount of money, you can just ride the, just put money in the, in the morning. And at the end of the day, just, to, you know, before closing, just take the money out. Like, it's not like it's just going to go and <laughs> sell when it's yeah, up. Yeah. So then you can, I mean, you can just make money easily that way. But I think it's interesting because if you look at Twilio, for example, straight up and then, and now it's like stabilized. And so I'd imagine there will be some stabilization with the Snapchat uh, stock. I don't expect that it's just going to go up and up and up and up and up and up quarter over quarter, especially when people start actually who have invested in this actually start paying attention to the quarterlies because Lord knows yeah, a right. lot of people didn't read the perspective and perspectives and probably don't know exactly kind of the, the CapEx, OpEx, like oh, it turns out the company's like incredibly expensive to run. Uh, yeah, it turns and out. I'm sure... <laughs> Two billion in Google Cloud. Yeah, and then everyone who's hedged and stuff like that. So uh, it seems fine, but definitely real expensive. So I had an idea. I wrote this blog post, right, about how terrible Snapchat is and this whole thing. Also, by the way, total confession is I bought Snapchat shares. Now, a lot of people asked us to get somebody very special on this podcast. I think the most famous Snapchat tech person, Taylor Lawrence, who is here today. She is a tech reporter. Hi, you're actually here and we got this whole thing working um, to kind of fight it out and see what we think. I don't, I don't really know where to start because it feels like weeks ago, but we should just do it. <laughs> she's the, she's the, the Owen and John arbitrator of, of, uh, of different, different opinions. <laughs> So we, I think we talk about Snapchat every single week and a mm-hmm. whole bunch of people asked you to be on this podcast because I think you are probably one of the more prominent Snapchat tech people out there. You're pretty dedicated. It, yeah. It's the only app that I've like been on since the beginning that I actually thought would succeed that has marginally succeeded. <laughs> Other than Twitter. No, wait. Twitter's dead. Yeah, Twitter okay. is <laughs> Taylor, I'll give okay. you the I'll give you the TLDR on Owen and I's differing opinions, <laughs> and then you can just t- you can just present do the rest of the podcast, okay? So basically, my Owen's theory is that you know it's expensive to run. The numbers are on the decline. Uh, they don't really have anything <laughs> that's like super like Special. useful. Really, it's you know like what really are you investing in? you know, this is, is this just another social network and sort of, you know, if it is, then what is the real like bottom line value that, that you, you know, that is actually makes this company worth being a company and also does he's, and then, so my opinion is that's true, but that if you were to build a modern camera company, it would make more sense to build the network first and the distribution system first and get the network effect and then build the cameras on top of it. 
But Owen's rebuttal to that is generally that supply chain is really hard and that there are a lot of other players that have like the lead on that, including Facebook with Oculus and stuff like that. And so even though that may be their intention, it seems like it would be a very difficult thing to pull off. That was a good TLDR. So the question is, and it's like, I feel like we just kind of preempted this whole thing with two very different opinions. How do you feel about Snapchat? Yeah, so uh, like, okay, so a few things about what what you just said, John, and and I guess probably I you know, so I, oh, and I read your blog post. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> was, I, I went on a little bit of a tweet no, storm. No, it was so I good. Literally, was like, I'm taking this down. I just could not disagree with you more on a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's not to say that I'm. I mean, I certainly don't own Snapchat stock, so you know, you're seem to be the only one truly invested here, but. Um, <laughs> And, you know, and I saw, by the way, like, John, to your point earlier, I saw a headline earlier today that was saying it was, like, down 7% today or something. So there is, like, somewhat of a correction. I agree that it's not going to rise, rise, rise. Um, but yeah, but a few things. Like, first of all, number one, the numbers are not on decline. I mean, their user growth didn't, like, yes, it's plateaued a little bit since Instagram launched Instagram Stories. That's definitely, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, e- eaten into their market a little bit. But it's not going to go down for, you know, it's, it's not on the actual decline. Um, so, you know, I don't think that's truly fair to say. I also just want to say that one thing that the, that, uh, the founders stressed, um, during their roadshow and they've been stressing, you know, like one thing that Evan has repeated too, is that they're not trying to chase like this massive, massive, massive growth. Like they feel that they can still build a sustainable business with people just sort of like messaging and interacting with just their friends. And, you know, they've made that such a core part of their business. That's the whole reason that they don't there was a good article by Alex Kantoritz and BuzzFeed about how Snap has really failed to kind of court these kind of creators that most other social networks, including Facebook, you and know, Vine. <laughs> so, yeah, they like pay them essentially too. Um, and yeah, RIP Vine. Um, but you know, Vine, Vine famously sort of messed with up their relationships with creators and it definitely, mm-hmm. you know, dented the platform. It was dying before that, but Um, you know, so I think that, you know, to say that, oh, it's not going to scale, you know, to the level of Facebook by 2018, like, you're right, it's not, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be a sustainable business. And, you know, they have, they have, you know, they still have a a ton of daily, they still have a ton of um, (laughs) daily active users, people are on there connecting, especially younger people. Oh, and it seemed like in your article, a lot of what you were arguing was that, oh, your friends aren't on it. And, that's true for some people, but sure. I think increasingly the younger you are, that's that's just not the case. I think I think it's always anecdotal, of course. Uh, that's the hard right. part is we none, none of us actually know. Yeah. Do you think that thirty plus? So I I feel like it's going to be really hard to chase that valuation with just software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, and I think they, they've, you know, they know that, you know, like they, they've obviously released spectacles. It's kind of an experiment. And I'm sure you guys saw the New York times story that they had, or maybe it was TechCrunch, you know, explored making a drone. Um, they thought about a 360 camera. So, yeah, you know, obviously, like you were saying, they are going to move into hardware. And I agree with you, John, that if, if you are looking to build a modern, a modern sort of camera company, which is what they like to call themselves, like does make sense to have that kind of network. Um, I mean, I feel like the network part of it is really strong. Like another thing, sorry not to hate on your post. <laughs> no, I love like, it. This is the whole point of it. It's one, perfect. Like, I mean, I felt like the biggest thing that you totally neglected to mention was the the messaging part of the platform. Like there's two sides of the app, you know, yeah, one but that side exists on Instagram is, too. 
<laughs> okay, but the Instagram messaging platform is horrible. And like it, it sort of it has not gotten traction. It doesn't it's have near the amount of capabilities that Snap does. So I and I don't and I think that that's to their detriment. Sure. Um maybe because they want people on Facebook Messenger. Also I just want to say one <laughs> thing true. from from a product standpoint, like like literally, I think that, you know, Evan Spiegel has been serving as chief product officer for like every modern tech company for the past yeah. couple of years. Like Instagram has copied, there is no feature, you know, that, that Instagram has not copied directly from Snap. And, you know, you were listing through a bunch of things like, oh, I can't tap forwards and backwards. Yes, you can. Like, well, that's because Snap just stole it back, just to be clear. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that, that people say. They stole that, something. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, Deba- yeah. That's a- debatably. But you know what I mean? Like the whole concept, I think that Snap changed this perception of the timeline. Like even the way you watch the stories, you know, it's like not this whole reverse chronological thing. You yeah, watch right. the story. From- yeah, and so I think they changed consumption habits and yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what they get into with their heart. They could end up screwing up badly if they make the wrong bet. Like, you know, yeah, like a drone with well. a 360 degree camera. Maybe nobody wants that, but. I guess I guess the biggest question I have is like what and this is I guess what I was trying to illustrate but maybe it got yeah. lost a little bit is what does Snapchat have that Instagram couldn't emulate and this is what John of John and I have talked about a lot is like okay so Snapchat has 150 million users but if Facebook really wanted to like take the axe out and like really go it could just pull all of this into you know across all of its apps it seems like the building blocks are the, there and kind of present yeah. it on Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, all in one place, right? Like, what what does Snapchat have other than its user base and, like, maybe some cutesy fil- filters? Other than that, like, I don't see anything. Well, so, wait, first of all, let's talk about their cutesy filters. And I think you're also talking <laughs> what you mean is the lenses. Those yeah, kind yeah, of, that's like, what I meant, the lenses. lenses or whatever. You know, and that that's that's actually, like, I mean, that's a lot of information. They, they're gadget. They're, they're gathering, you know, facial recognition information. Mm-hmm. They bought that company scene that makes 360, you know, degree kind of 3D selfies. Like, I think right. that they're definitely, you know, one thing that I think was missed actually in a lot of the conversation around their IPO was the discussion of Snapchat as a AR company. Like you mentioned, right. Facebook, obviously, is Oculus. They have a strong foot in the VR market, but there's no social network that has a footprint really a strong one in the uh like you know in ar and i think snapchat could could easily move into that space facebook has masquerade right but they haven't used it yet still they haven't used it and masquerade i would not say is even remotely as you know advanced as snap as what snap has yeah i think i think you're right that a lot of snapchat's strength is in those kind of filters like it's crazy how iconic that dog lens has become it's insane like it's on time magazine now so i i totally acknowledge that i just i just wonder if you know if facebook really went went to the wall with the with the axe again if it could actually beat them like to me it seems like there's nothing that other than other than that stuff there's nothing that can't be emulated and i think that even spectacles could be copied at this point Right. Okay. So, but what you're saying is that you're right. Everything they do probably could be copied. You know, you're right. From a logistical standpoint, Facebook's a much bigger company. They have the ability, they have the engineering capability to copy any dumb feature. But I think, um, (laughs) and and this is a more nebulous argument, and I think that it's probably your, you know, people that invest for this reason are are putting a great deal amount of faith in the founders. But I think that they truly do think about things differently. And the fact is that they're coming up with this stuff that Facebook has not, like Facebook has not yeah. moved in this direction. They caused Facebook to pivot. Until recently. Well, right. Until recently when they copy every, they have literally a Snapchat clone on every, on, on WhatsApp now. And you yeah, know, Facebook I know. And they it's have, insane. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, but I think that that speaks to the power, you know, that validates core, uh, Snap's core belief that, that, you know, that they, what they have is, is, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a valuable, yeah, uh, they like, actually um, have vision, I suppose is what you're saying. And they can, have vision. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's true. Also, you know, there, there, I also was getting so annoyed last week when I saw the headline <laughs> saying that, oh, you know, is Snap the next Twitter? Is Snap the next Twitter? No, not even remotely. One, because Twitter is a disaster and, you know, obviously has had huge problems with their leadership there. But like, like all of, uh, I think Sarah Fryer at Bloomberg made a good point on her, the Daily of the Week podcast last week, which was talking about how, um, you know, most of Twitter's innovations have all come from users, like mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. replies, hashtags, stuff like that. Snapchat doesn't really take a lot of innovation directly from users. I think that, you know, Evan Spiegel is notoriously um, product sort of focused and meticulous and, you know, has a vision for right. sort of the product he wants to create and, and builds them and leaves it for other people to sort of copy and be creative. Interesting. Um, so I just, yeah, I just think that they're strong and that, that they are innovative in a way that Facebook seems to not be right now. Well, I think Evan's like, Evan's a younger guy, right? I think he... Right. When I think about Snapchat, I really try not to look at it through the the part no pun intended, but through the lens of of a thirty one <laughs> year old, right? Like right. I'm really trying to think about Snapchat in the context of our sixteen. What is sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds want, right? And like also, we know that. Younger and younger, people are getting technology and devices that are connected, you know, that have cameras and stuff in their hands. For, you know, people are getting their cell phones at 10 or 11 or 12 now or whatever. And so, you know, Mar- how old's Mark now? Like, he's an old guy, right? And so, and he's, and <laughs> he's he, and he has kind of like moved on to his own other stuff. He's like doing his philanthropy. He's like just doing his stuff. And so, I think one of the things that is really unique about Snapchat is, is that they are they have an idea, they have a philosophy, they have an opinion on the world, and they're implementing it. And that, and we'll see whether they're right or wrong. This might be a lame argument, but like, okay, this is going to sound really bad. But MySpace basically had the same thing, right? It dominated this exact same age segment that we're talking about right now. But it turned out they had no money, and they had no way to monetize these people. And that they're fickle as hell. The next thing comes along, and boom, everybody's gone. Like, how do we, how do we know that Snapchat... Snapcat, I would I would sign up to that service. Uh, Snapchat can actually turn that into something. Like, there's not much disposable income there. The only thing they've got right now is ads and Discover, and that's it. Yeah, and the ads, the ads products. Like, I mean, to be fair, you're, you're right, Owen. And who knows it? But sure. I would just want to say, like, it, it's not like this company is a total flash in the pan. It's you know, it's been around for several years. It's grown significantly. It continues to grow. Mm-hmm. I think that they they need to get two things in line, and one is obviously they're at, you know, right now Snapchat is still an experimental buy. Um, it's not, you know, it's not, they don't have the ability to sort of target people the way that, that Facebook and Google do. And I, but I think they're, they're going to try to, I think that they'll figure that out. If they don't figure it out, you're right. They, it, they will fail because they, they need to start making a profit. I can't remember exactly how many millions they lost last year, but it was something. <laughs> I think a it was lot. 500 and something. Yeah. It's a disturbing. Yeah. And then also I think, the second thing they need to figure out is hardware. You know, Evan keeps referring to himself as a, oh, we're a camera company. And yeah, and that's really nice to say. And that might be help, helpful for him philosophically. But yeah. 
like, what does that mean they're going to deliver? I think people are going to keep looking to them, especially now that they've put their first product in the market, Spectacles, yeah. so to continue to deliver. what John convinced me on is he, he mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like the si- the sheer size of the point and shoot market, which was basically decimated by the iPhone. It's like billions on billions and billions. I think even maybe trillions of dollars that kind it of disappeared overnight. $22 billion in 2000 and uh, I think... I think 2007, don't quote me, 2007, maybe. <laughs> it was a lot of money. Canon did like yeah. $22 billion in revenue. America's alone. Only America. America's. What? Wow. So I think, I think that's the thing I can see myself convinced on is if Snapchat could somehow augment the phone, because the, the biggest risk, and I mean, Snapchat actually names this in their S1 filing is they are so intricately bound to like the fate of the iPhone and the fate of like Google's platform that if they got banned, they'd be actually screwed. You know, like I think that's actually the play here is they have to expand beyond that or they don't, they can't grow to the scale they need. And that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's, you know, like there was something that um, Evan, the founders talked to the LA times on the, the day that they went public last Thursday. And, one thing Evan was saying was, you know, and I'm going to mess up this quote, but he was basically talking about like what we use cameras for. And he was like, right, you know, before Snapchat came along, right. people only used cameras for taking pictures and, and distributing them. And now people use it to talk or people use it for all these other creative things. And I think that when they do say they're a camera company, I think that they're thinking of themselves more as like a communication company or like yeah. what what else can cameras do for you? And I think that they're not thinking of building, you know, like a DSLR or like a point and shoot or anything like that. And you're right, but you're right that they need to move beyond just being an app on the iPhone. Right, being bound to a small box, basically. Exactly. I- but I th- but I think that that's why, you know, drones and 360 and that kind of stuff is, is interesting for them because it is this sort of like new way of viewing the world. Um, right, and right. And AR. What, what do you think about the Discover platform, by the way? Like, <laughs> is, that, is that something they're going to do? Or like, it seems like it's weird. Okay, so full disclosure, I've worked on three Discover channels now. That's why um, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, Daily Mail, wow. we were the one of the first people on Discover, and uh, yeah, it was, and I was excited about that. You know, I so <laughs> and not to shade on, sh- put any hate on Discover. I it, it remains to be seen whether it's that is like a interesting part of the app for a lot of right, people. Right. I mean, people like to hate on it. Uh, it does generate revenue for the publishers. Um, I think it's, you know, Snapchat's doing this thing now where instead of letting the publishers sell ads, they're kind of buying these shows. Um, oh. And, yeah, you know, they're paying for them up front. So they'll be like, oh, we're going to buy this, you know. Oh, right, right, right. A block of pro- programming from whatever publisher or whatever. So, um, you know, some of them are funny. Like, I, I, I like some of them. Um, I don't think that that is going to make or break the app. I think that they, you know, they, they moved it down below user stories, whatever that was last year. And I, I, they sort of deranked it themselves. Um, I think it's important to, it's, it's good to have a place to let brands play. Um, you know, I just want to say Instagram certainly doesn't have any kind of no. thing i mean they have their explore page as a discovery mechanism but i think it's hard i mean for snapchat which has no internal discovery mechanism to find new and interesting content you know aside from your friends so it's interesting yeah. i think that they need to <laughs> open it up to publishers and i'm not saying this in any kind of self-interest of anywhere i yeah. work but no i just think that it's niche and i think that the only way it'll end up being interesting is if you can have you know like 
tr- like more like Instagram Explorer. <laughs> not that they should copy anything. <laughs> Nothing about that because that's not brand new content. <laughs> but I do think that they should that they should have more interests. You know what I mean? Like, well, the the discoverability is kind of a dead end right now, right? Like, if you don't know a username, that's it. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about as well. Is do you think that it's a little bit of a dead end right now? No, or is, I don't is think it- that's a problem. I I mean. Look, okay. if you want to find Kylie Jenner's your, or some celebrity's username, like you can find it. <laughs> and Snapchat has done more to build in discovery. You know, they have started sure. to do their version of verification on big accounts. So they give, uh, you know, celebrities like Kim Kardashian custom emoji. Kim is the peach. Um, and, you know, so they are, they have verified big accounts. I actually Shazammed, you know, Snapchat has Shazam integration now. So you can Shazam music and i was shazamming an ariana grande song in h&m wanted to download it wow. to Spotify, and it actually as i once i shazammed it it actually pulled up her snapchat snap code and username and encouraged me to add her interesting. so you know i thought that that was interesting and also something that seems to be new so i think that they are building in um it's almost a platform at that point right yeah, I mean, the, I, the, the thing that's the thing that I think people don't like about um, Snapchat is like there's no ability to kind of like browse these like massive pages of public posts. Yeah, right. But I think that Snapchat has a lot of live stories, which does pull in user content, and I think that they'll just they'll build out that part later. But I don't think it's integral. And all these people that hate, I love a lot of Snapchat creators; they're great people, but mm-hmm. they're not integral to the platform either. So you know, right, right. Well, I think that's probably the actually the most interesting thing i realized is unlike everybody else they're not courting influencers at first they kind of seem to be interested in courting them yeah and now lately they're just like no it's about your friends don't worry about those people so it's kind of quite a quite a shift i think that's smart i think that's smart um right you know because because i have to say having you know written a lot about influencers and people like that like yeah talk about fickle audiences i mean you can be have millions of fans one day and and got people are gone tomorrow friendships are a much yeah, stronger right. bond you can actually chat well you know what i mean like what who are you gonna spend you're not gonna spend all day chatting logan paul on snapchat like you're gonna be talking with your <laughs> friends hopefully sure yeah so those are kind of like an added added thing they yeah. shouldn't and i guess it's hard to find i mean you can find their snapchat right. anywhere online it's not a secret if they're interesting they're gonna be there yeah. Very interesting. Okay, well, we should make a note to follow up with you in a year when Snapchat's dead. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, when they've reported earnings. Um, and then it'll be, I think it'll actually be a really interesting year for them. Like, we haven't actually seen inside the company that much. The S1 yeah. is kind of only a start. And I think John kind of alluded to in a, in a previous episode that the money that they raise now isn't really to build Snapchat. It's to build actually the other thing. Uh, whatever it may be in Evan Spiegel's mind, what you know, Sony Music Snap or whatever it is. Um, but let's let's plan to review this in a year, and then we can we can see who's right. Yeah. Well, fair enough. And I think I mean I agree with you that this is a big year for them. Like they're notoriously secretive, and mm, there's so much. It's true. Communication in the company, and I I think it'll be interesting to see to see themselves try and live live out as a public country company. They're also getting that big you know, campus in LA. And I think that they're... Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> like they're growing out of their tween stage, you know? They're yeah. they're going to have to try and, um, I guess, play with the big wigs. So we'll see. But yeah. You're... Yeah. Awesome. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I will make a note to follow up. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. So many people ask for you to come and oh like God. slay my Snapchat opinion. I'm so I must honored. be wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, who knows? We, we, I know. It's. I mean, it's one of those companies that's actually wildly unpredictable. And 
we'll just see, I think. So thanks for joining us. Thanks it was for awesome. having me. Thanks for letting me, yeah, just rant about my favorite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Bye, awesome. guys. Bye. Okay. Well, that was amazing that Taylor came on, and it was really cool. To that was actually her, so the coolest call-in we've done, I right. think. Thank you for thank you for arranging that. It would be cool if we do longer call-ins sometimes, or maybe even like guests who join us for like longer. Yeah. So I would be down with that. If or anybody maybe, has like, any recommendations, get- or if you know somebody, tell us because yeah. we like to hang out. Okay, the end spiel. Chargepodcast.com is where the notes are. Last week we had really detailed notes, and people loved it. So I'll I'll do it again. I put some effort in and it worked. Um, But please go there, chargepodcast.com. There's show notes. You can see on SoundCloud links and all that kind of thing. Please review us. We love it when you review us. It actually helps so, so much. We finally got our stars up from like terrible when we had bad audio to like almost five again. So please review us. (laughs) Yup. The reviews are really good. And and we love people writing in. Um, Oh, actually we got an email that... I would like to talk about, but okay. it's, well, not right now, but um, maybe next week we can talk about it. Although, to the person that sent that email in, very much as much as, you know, people who you know that can't talk about this stuff, it's going to be equally right. as difficult for us to talk about it because there, it is, there is legal stuff involved. But yeah, okay. we will do our best to talk about <laughs> how the internet is surveyed. Oh, yeah. Next week. And if you have a question... Hi at chargepodcast.com comes to both of us. We have I have some ideas about how we could open up the Slack again and we'll have more on that on the podcast soon because we know I know that lots of people want to be in there and it's super cool because John met people IRL. Anyway, thank you for listening. I forgot to say that and I forget to say it a hundred times, but I, we really appreciate it. I know I do and I know John does and it's awesome. I get so many cool tweets about the podcast. So thank you for actually listening. Other than that, because makes it worth it doing it. It would be so boring if it was just us talking to each other. Yeah, we'd be talking to the abyss. Yeah, probably because we get to hang out. But other people hang out with us by proxy, so that's perfect. All right, all right, Owen. Good to talk to you, man. I'll see you. Love you, buddy. You too. Bye. Bye.